Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. I'm sorry, listeners, we had a minor audio difficulty with our recording with our fantastic guest, Ulrich, and we lost uh, the first few minutes of our talk with him. So I'm going to summarize that briefly and then take you straight into his really exciting insights about pricing. So uh, we started by asking Ulrich to introduce himself, and he told us that he's an expert on business-to-business SaaS, pricing SaaS is software as a service. Many of you are providing, or uh, and probably all of you are using, SaaS products of various kinds. And he helps those companies uh, that provide those services get the, the best prices. And uh, that turns out to have tremendous application to software, which is what we're going to talk about, uh, to, to this construction of software and to agile development. Now, Ulrich works as an advisor to tech companies across Europe, Asia, and the U.S. Uh, He's done commercial redesigns for over 100 B2B SaaS companies, and uh, he's the the sort of person that you have come and talk to you if you can't quite get as much out of your uh, software as a service as you'd like to commercially. Uh, So uh, he told us a bit about that, and then we got into his book, uh, which is... um, the Pricing Roadmap, and you'll find a link to it in our show notes. And in his book, he makes this really interesting analogy to an earlier pricing problem, which turns out to have tremendous application. This pricing problem was, how do you price a train ticket? And it turns out that a uh, uh, train service has some similarities to software as a service, i.e., you have to build a whole bunch of rails. You have to put in a whole bunch of effort to create some kind of service, and then running it is a relatively simple operation and not so expensive. So pricing is not obviously linked to the effort that you put in to actually deliver the service. You have to somehow price for the tremendous effort that you put in at the beginning. And uh, train services, when they first started, didn't really understand how to do this. They'd sell a ticket, and the ticket might, say, take you across the United States, and it would save you going around the horn of, um, you know, the the, um, uh, Tierra del Fuego and uh, taking months and months and months um, on a very dangerous ship voyage. And and that was very popular, but people were willing to put up with uh, a lot of difficulty in doing that. Uh, because it was a heck of a lot easier and safer than getting on a ship or in a covered wagon. But that still led to a big problem uh, for the train companies because uh, they they couldn't charge a premium price uh, that they would like to. People would say, well, look, it's it's better than the ship. (laughs) I'll, I'll take what I can get. So this led to a a challenge for them in setting different types of prices and and different levels of service because the the market wasn't telling them exactly what uh, levels of service to to provide and, and what people were willing to pay. So that's the point at which we uh, managed to get Ulrich back on the on the on the, the uh, recording, and and we can hear his response and his explanation for uh, how on earth did the train company solve that problem, and then how's it relevant to software? So let's go into uh, Ulrich's uh, response now. I think the first thing that that they realized was that they actually weren't trying to price the train ticket; they were priced, trying to price the train customers. Right. So the analogy is that you shouldn't try to price your product. You should try and price the way that your customers use the product, which is a different question that is actually answerable because it is in the use that there is value, which can then be to some degree quantified or priced. But the way they did it was they say, well, okay, so we want to take, so the, 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 the example used in the book is from the transcontinental railroad. So when they first built the, the tracks from, 
Philadelphia on the East Coast to, I think it was Sacramento in California, because too many people in the East, not enough people in the West, but a lot of land. So the federal government wanted to move people over there. And so what they did was they were saying, we're going to have first, second, and third class. And they had this from the ocean liners, from Titanic and all the boats that got people from Europe to the US in the first place. But, and then, so the first class sort of um, invented itself because it was just like all the features that you could put into it, which is also what happens in software that usually what, what people do when they build software solution is that they envision this first class experience. Like we're going to take people to, from A to B, like we're, we're going to solve the problem. We're going to do it with everything we've got. It's going to be fantastic. But then what's happened was that they had two other sort of lesser types of tickets, like the second and the third class. And really, they didn't know how to differentiate these. So they just said, well, we're just going to do a worse version of first class. So in packaging, maybe you've heard the term like good, better, best. But this is usually what happens is that we actually create the solution like we think it's meant to be. And then we just create less good versions of that. And that's the packaging. So the problem that they ran into historically was that they sold out of the third class tickets because people didn't want to go to California, but they couldn't sell the second class tickets because nobody actually was, let's say it, it wasn't an opportunity for luxury. Like no, nobody cared that there were a few extra amenities or like better seats or whatever. Right? So there's like, okay, I want to have the money in my pocket when I get to California and I'm starting my new life. And so, and that's going to be trained again next week. So if third class sells out, I'm just going to wait and then take it next week because like on foot, or in caravan, it would take six years, not no, six years, but six months to, to get across. So waiting a, waiting a week is not much of an opportunity cost, <laughs> or, or even two weeks or three weeks versus six weeks or six months. You know, waiting a few weeks is not a big deal. Yeah, I think the cost price of transporting a passenger was like six or seven dollars. And, and the, the price in, in like 1825, so 200 years ago, was like six thousand dollars. Basically, it cost you all your money to go across. And it takes half 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 a year, and the and a lot of people didn't make it. Like ten or twenty percent would get lost, or you know, fall into you know, fall off a cliff, or die from typhus or diarrhea. And so it was like it was dangerous. So, but this was actually also the the let's say the seed of innovation that that's finally sort of sort of solved the mystery of the second and third class for these railroad technicians because. What they did was they said, okay, so in order to sell second class tickets, we have to make third class less good. And then they started experimenting with it. So they pulled off features. So they said, okay, we're going to take out the chairs. Didn't matter. Like all the Quakers and the Protestants and so forth, they just, you know, sat on the floor. They're, they were tough. They would just sit on their luggage. <laughs> yeah. And, there's a, and, then, and then they went on and said, okay, we're going to take it with windows. We're going to, instead of having passenger wagons, we're going to, we're going to just get, uh, get like a cattle wagons, which like we deliberately haven't cleaned. So they, they made an effort to make the experience less and less good in order to try and sort of force the upgrade. I think I've been on that flight, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we've all been in that software as well, right? So, so but, you know, little did it help. And then... Finally, they, they sort of reverted to their original thinking, which was, why did we build the railroad in the first place? Like, what, what's, the, what's the core problem that our solution is solving? And they said, okay, so we're going to take them to California, like, quickly, cheaply, and alive. That, that's sort of the value proposition. At this is, you know, as brutal as it is, it's sort of a piece of, let's say, innovation in capitalist history where, where 
And I think to the defense of the railroad tycoons, this wasn't their first idea. And it is the, the deliberate reduction of quality in a product is almost never someone's first idea. But what the story teaches us is that there is a market for a lot of different versions of a product, right? And you just have to sort of find to the core of what it actually is people are buying, right? And, and this is often sort of the, the what, what also what I'm trying to find out in the projects I run with my clients is like, you know, okay, so you, you think you know what you're selling, but what are your customers actually buying from you? Let's, let's figure that out and then maybe we can get somewhere. And that's and that seems to me like the key insight here is that on the one hand, we look at it as, oh, it made the service worse, and 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 that's true. But the point was, it still delivered on a core, you know, job to be done. There was still a core value that even after you took the roof off, that the the the, the third class customers were like, great, that's still good value for money for me. Exactly. And it got to a very key distinction that existed in the market, which was that some people actually had the money and were willing to pay for that say, extra functionality. And some people didn't have the second class money, but were willing to still chance it on the train on third class, right? So it's also, you, so you can see that the, the packaging structure actually gets at some pre-existing features that exists in the customer base and sort of extracts them and then that's how the monetization works, right? So this is why I'm saying like, you shouldn't try to price the train. You should try and price the train experience or the customer experience with your product. That's really how you differentiate and get the, let's say, quote unquote, most money out of your market. I see. And Ulrich, that gives a tremendous benefit for the technology team as well, which isn't intuitive. But I'm often counseling my customers. I'm working with one right now to help them to match their technology investment to the value of the customer, because it's so easy to get that wrong. A very common pattern is for a technology team to build software because customers demand it, and they will build highly, highly custom software. They'll wind up with multiple versions of their product, each for a customer for just one or for a small class of them. And the price for that is way out of whack because those customers are paying a kind of standard, maybe a second class or third class fare, and they're getting super first class limousine service. But what I'm working with a client right now on is, is a common solution to that on the tech side, which is to identify what the standard classes are. What does third class look like? What is something that we can do for people with no effort whatsoever for us so that the investment we're making also matches the price? Uh, I, I wonder, is that something that you look at as well? What what investment can we reasonably make? What what cost of carriage? <laughs> do do we have cattle cars to hand? So um, the way I usually look at it is I, I try to, I use the concept of a job to be done, which I just define as a problem that is being chased by demand. So so what we want to look for is, is, is sometimes I, I even start packaging with what I call the point of first demand. Like, what is it that the customer reaches out to you to get solved? Because that means that they already have taken action, which means that they likely have budget, which means that they are willing to pay for whatever it is that they're looking for. If we can just package around that. So let's say that the customer comes through the door and say, oh, we are looking for predictive maintenance in airports. And then 
that is a pretty good title for your core module, right? Predictive maintenance in airports, if that's what you're doing, right? So you, you, you shouldn't try to sort of change that. You're just like, well, okay, so that's what, what the demand is. Let's build that. And then you can always do, you know, efficient operations in airports and you can do whatever uh, simulation of, you know, airport improvement or whatever in your other packages. But really packaging around sources of demand is, um, I think, a, a critical way to go for the following reason. If you do that, you can actually get alignment between customers and product and sales. And this is so, so what I use often in my projects is that if I can get the product team and the sales team to agree what, what it is that we're selling, to so say, okay, so in this package or module, we do X. So uh, that makes it very clear that these, this kind of packaging and tier solution works well for the pricing side. And we, Jeffrey and I, I'm sure, can, can tell you that uh, the, on the investment side, on the engineering side, it really helps you to, to um, figure out what you actually need to build and get away from this kind of over-customization. So this sounds really valuable. Ulrich, I'm wondering, um, I really want to ask you about what happens when this doesn't work. What happens when you, uh, in technology, we call it tech debt, but, but you have a concept called commercial debt where, where you've not done this and you wind up with a mess. But I think we're out of time for today. Ulrich, would you be willing to come back next time and we'll ask you more about this commercial and technical debt and how they relate to each other? Would that be okay? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, and Ulrich, where, where could people find you? So if they want to get more and they don't want to wait till next week, uh, how, how could they uh, find out more uh, about you, these ideas, and, and get your book and so on? So uh, my book is called The Pricing Roadmap, and it's on your local Amazon. So search that. And uh, my website is willingness2pay.com. So you can also find me there. Fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, listeners, please go there and uh, check out Ulrich's uh, material, which we found really interesting. That's why we brought him on. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, of course, if you disagree, if you uh, uh, see a challenge in doing this. Would your customers not accept a tiered pricing? Would they not be willing to um, sit on their luggage? Uh, what, what's the, the point of view that you have? We're, we're very interested when <laughs> does, people have does taking views. Taking the roof off seem a terrible idea. <laughs> exactly. So uh, let us know if you're interested in talking to us about that. Uh, you can do that best at agileconversations.com, which is where you'll find um, Jeffrey's and my email and Twitter. There's lots of free videos and uh, our book and, and other material there. So have a look at agileconversations.com to ask us more. And of course, the other way to keep up is to come back when we're, we're going to be here next week again uh, with more from Ulrich on the concept of commercial and technical debt uh, when we have another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey and Ulrich. Thanks, Carl. Thanks. Thanks.